What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. In today's episode, I am going to talk to you about some of the most common mistakes when it comes to dieting. More importantly, the solutions to those common mistakes. This was funny because last episode, I kind of lost my, my train of thought while I was talking about mistakes that we make. And that really wasn't even the point of the episode. Last episode was all about sustainability and phasing things. And when you look at doing something forever, that kind of is like the filter for making decisions. In other words, if you're not willing to do something forever, you shouldn't be willing to do it at all. And I went into detail about that and I kind of got sidetracked as I tend to do. If you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you know that I'm the king of tangents and rabbit holes and losing my train of thought. It just happens. I'm human. I don't edit anything. I'm not here to make this sound perfect. I just put out stuff that's on my mind. This is like my therapy. So last episode was all about sustainability, but it actually, as I was going on that, that tangent, it made me think about some of the most common mistakes that I made personally through my own journey and some of the things that I see today in a number of people. And it's, it's interesting. Now I kind of have this bird's eye view of being able to see things from the perspective of number one, I have a team of coaches, so I get to see how they handle their clients and what the common issues are and some of the common mistakes and hardships and hurdles. So there's that perspective. And then also I work with a lot of other coaches. So I coach a number of other coaches and I get to see some things that they deal with when it comes to their clients. So kind of a unique perspective that I have from both sides of things, from, from my own, from, from pop, right. From our clients. And then also from seeing, you know, the people that reach out that follow up with me and those who are working with other coaches that I work with as well. So it's kind of a, a interesting perspective. Anyway, there are some things that I notice that were common issues for me when I was going through my chronic dieting years. For those of you that don't know my backstory, I was previously an athlete and then I ended up significantly overweight. When I stepped on the scale for the first time, it was about 250. However, I had already started. I was scared to step on the scale. And it, it was actually a Wii. Uh, if you know, like the video game Wii, I like started doing uh, some of the stuff that they had just to get active and start moving and like playing games that required me to actually move my body. And they had an actual like weigh-in thing on the Wii. It was like Wii Fit or something like that. That was the first time when I wanted to lose weight and I realized how overweight I was that I actually had the courage to get on the scale. So when it said 250, I had probably lost some weight at that point. I'm going to say, you know, probably somewhere around like highest weight to lowest weight. It was probably close to 90 pounds, but I ended up going from 250 to like 167. Uh, and that was just, you know, again, what the scale said. So I uh, was in that chronic dieting cycle for a very long time. And even after losing all of that weight, I gained it back and lost it again and gained it back and lost it again. And I went through that process for about 10 years. And I've, I've learned that I am very stubborn and not that I've learned, but I'm, I've always been aware of my stubbornness and I like to do things my way. And that has gotten me into trouble throughout my life. I feel like when I set my mind to something, I should be able to accomplish it and I should be able to do it my way. So oftentimes if somebody tells me, hey, this is the way that you have to do things, uh, I, I typically don't like to follow those rules. I like to play by my own rules. 
And I make a lot of the same mistakes over and over again. That is certainly a character flaw that I have. It takes me a long time to learn the lesson and to actually move on and apply it. I think that there's, there's like the awareness piece, which is I know that I'm stubborn. I know that I have some issues with authority. I know that I'm a little bit rebellious. However, being aware doesn't necessarily mean that I change my behavior. Awareness can be an incredible tool to empower change, but it's also difficult, you know, when you know that you're a certain way and then you have this default operating system, it's very easy to say, okay, I'm aware of this. I want to change it. But then you just fall back into your existing patterns. And that's kind of what I've been going through like my whole life. So during that dieting phase, uh, you know, I call it a phase during the 10 years of chronic dieting and uh, doing things the wrong way, it took me a while to learn the lesson. I kept making the same mistakes over and over and over again, like cutting calories, doing too much cardio, restricting food groups, trying all of these crazy fads, not eating real food, doing, you know, I did one diet that was all shakes and one meal. Um, I did another diet that was a 1200 calorie meal plan. I did another diet that was all about fasting and, and only eating within like a four hour window. I made the same mistake over and over again. And 10 years is a long time to make the same mistake, but that's it. Like I'm not, I'm not hiding anything. Took me a while to learn the lesson. I can also say that financially I made a lot of the same mistakes over and over again. I think again, it takes me a while to learn the lesson and to move on and apply it and to actually modify my behavior, which I'm human. So I made a lot of the same mistakes financially for a long time. And even to this day, I can tell you, and, and Mel would be the first to admit this and to <laughs> say that what I'm, what I'm about to say is, is facts. When we argue, when Mel and I argue, my natural tendency is I go into like psychoanalyze mode and it's not the most productive. Nobody wants to be psychoanalyzed when they're in an argument. It's like the worst approach for handling an argument and for communicating effectively. And that's my default. And I have, to, I, I have the awareness and I have to change it because it's not productive. Now, fortunately, she's patient enough with me where the initial part of the argument typically I make, I have a, a horrible response. I go into psychoanalyze mode. It makes things worse, but then we're able to continue to communicate and get over that and ultimately walk away with mutual resolution. So I feel very good about that fact. Um, but this is a problem that I have had awareness around and I keep repeating the same mistakes. My point to all of this is that some lessons are hard to learn and sometimes simply being aware is not enough but it still has to start with awareness. You have to begin the process with awareness so that you can recognize when those patterns occur and consciously make a change. Behavior change is difficult because we have a default way of doing things that have been ingrained. Patterns exist for a reason. It's because you've done the same thing over and over and over again, and it becomes subconscious. So if you're operating from your subconscious mind, you're going to default to those existing patterns. This is fundamentally why change is so hard and why people repeat the same mistakes over and over again. I can promise you that if you're listening to this right now, I can almost guarantee that you've made a lot of diet mistakes in your life. I can guarantee you that if I, if I pressed you on the issue, 
you would probably say, yeah, I probably, uh, you know, cut calories too much and maybe did too much cardio and tried to restrict myself and deprive myself. Maybe you're still doing that right now. You're probably aware of it, but if somebody dangled this brand new, you know, fat blasting workout program and nutrition program that was also really restrictive and deprived you, but they promised some crazy results, you might default to wanting to sign up for that thing, even though you're aware that you've made this mistake over and over again. There is part of you that would probably lean towards that and be like, well, shit, if I just get this fat off of me, I'll be happier. And let me just rip the bandaid off and get this done as quick as possible. That might be your default operating system. It's difficult to change those patterns, but awareness is huge. It has to be the first step. And when you start with awareness, right, you have that first step. Now we want to take those subconscious thoughts and bring them to the conscious mind so that you can take action in, in, in changing those subconscious behaviors. I hope that makes sense. You want to bring the subconscious to your conscious mind so that you can take actions that change those patterns so that you can align the default, right? Again, so if we're creating a new pattern, eventually over time, that will become your default pattern, right? Like chronic dieting is no longer my default pattern. It was for 10 years. It's no longer my default pattern. Does that mean that I never have thoughts about restriction and deprivation and just slashing calories? No, of course I still have those thoughts, but they are few and far between. Whereas previously, that would be my immediate pull. Like instinctually, I would just gravitate towards those type of protocols. Like, let me rip the bandaid off. Let me do this extreme shit. I'm just going to get it done, get it over with, and then I'm going to move on with my life. So it doesn't work that way. Right. And so we want to move the subconscious to the conscious so that we can make, take action and make decisions that align with what we truly desire and then create a new default operating system. It's not easy. It's actually very simple, but it's not easy. So I really, you know, I think that first of all, if you're continuing to make the same mistakes over and over again, that's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a failure. One thing that's really important is you are not defined by your experiences. So things that have occurred in your life, things that you have done, they don't define you. That has nothing to do with who you are as a person. They're simply events or experiences that happened. That's it. It doesn't say anything about you as a person. It doesn't define you. It's not part of your identity. If you are a chronic dieter, that's that's not, don't label yourself and say like, this is just who I am or I'm a failure because of what I did in the past or those experiences define me. No, those are just things that happened. It's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to repeat mistakes. That's part of being human. We all learn the lesson in our own way, at our own time. There's a reason why things unfold the way that they do. I truly believe that. And they they play out kind of how they were meant to play out. And you can either sit there and say, well, I'm this way, so I'm never going to change. Or you can say, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And now I have even more knowledge and experience and wisdom to be able to apply it moving forward. So let's start with some of the most common mistakes specifically related to nutrition and dieting that I see over and over again and how to fix them. Because that's what this is all about. This is all about making change, making sustainable change, um, this is all about creating a lifestyle that you desire. 
this is all about like you becoming the person that you want to become. And if we don't overcome these common mistakes, then unfortunately our default operating system remains the same. And, and once again, I'm going to repeat myself. If where you are currently is not where you want to be, that means fundamentally we do have to change the default operating system because if you are moving back to quote unquote normal, but normal isn't getting you to where you want to be, we have to change the definition of normal. We have to change the daily actions and habits. And that's, there's a big level of resistance there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I've gotten a lot of pushback uh, recently with the uh, supplements that we launched. So if you guys haven't heard, we launched a whole line of neurotyping supplements that are specifically formulated and designed to optimize your brain chemistry based off of your personality. It's, it's really cool stuff. It's fascinating. Um, I love to nerd out on stuff like that, but I have a lot of people who are, who are like, well, you know, I don't think that supplements really align with your brand and your message. And I don't think that you should be talking about supplements that help with fat loss and things like that. And, and I'm like, here's the thing. It, it doesn't have to be one extreme or the other. I think that there's this idea that if you are helping somebody to achieve body composition goals, like the one end of the extreme is, oh, you're facilitating like body image issues and that sort of thing. And then the other end of the extreme is just like, you know, ignoring that all of those things exist. And the reality always lies in the middle. But, but my point is, if it's up to the individual, right? If somebody has a goal and they want to lose body fat, that is up to them. They get to decide if that's a goal that they want. Now, sometimes they might learn through the process that that's not really what they want, which is great. However, it's okay to want to change your body. It's okay to have physical goals. It's okay to want to look better. It's okay to say, I want to lose body fat. That's okay. It's okay to say I'm uncomfortable with the amount of body fat I have. That's also okay. You know what? On the flip side, it's okay to say, I'm okay with where I am. I don't want to lose body fat. I don't want to be smaller. All of those things are okay. Like, I don't know why it has to be one or the other, but anyway, so the point is that it is my ethical responsibility to help people the way that I best know how to help people with my experience, with my background, with not only just research, but also anecdotal evidence. So my belief is that the role that supplements play, number one, they can help with consistency because it's something daily that you're doing for yourself. That's very low barrier of entry. Number two, with the neurotype specific supplements, they can help with your mood and motivation. So if we can optimize how you feel in the morning, being more productive, uh, being more motivated to get to the gym, getting more out of each workout, getting more out of your recovery, getting you in the proper mindset to sleep and eliminating racing thoughts, like those are huge, valuable assets that we can do for something that's a pretty low barrier of entry. Now, there's also things like you know, we work with Organifi. So they have things like green juice and they have um, gold juice and they have immunity. They have things that support overall health. But again, my perspective is it comes from the consistent thing that you're doing for yourself every single day to move the needle forward. It's not that the supplements themselves are magical. It's that the act of doing something like taking a greens drink in the morning or taking the gold juice at night you're establishing a morning routine. You're establishing a wind down routine. You're prioritizing your health. It's more about what that communicates to yourself about how you're prioritizing yourself and your own health. That's, in my opinion, where the magic lies, specifically when we're talking about supplements like Organifi provides, which would be like the green drink for um, anybody that's lacking on getting in your veggies, 
gold juice if you need a more a better wind down routine and you just like something that's kind of more of like a hot chocolatey dessert drink at the end of the day that also gets you into that like rest and digest mode something like immunity if you want to help you know support your immune system um, or if you're vegan or vegetarian and you struggle to get in enough protein they have an amazing vegan protein as well things like that where you can fill a gap you can fill a need and it's very low barrier of entry and you're prioritizing your own health and wellness. That is my stance. Um, so with Organifi, we offer 20% off their entire site. So I highly recommend that you check it out. It's Organifi.com slash popfam. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash P-O-P-F-A-M. And then you can use code popfam at checkout to get your 20% off. Um, currently, I'm all about the greens drink. They just had a green apple flavor, which is delicious. And the gold chocolate is my absolute jam every single night. Uh, Mel and I drink that. It's like kicks off the wind down routine. We both love it and look forward to it. And we throw a little whipped cream in there, a little almond milk. It's absolutely divine. Anyway, um, so the whole point of this is like, I'm going to talk about common mistakes. I'm going to talk about things that, you know, lessons that are hard to learn, things that I had to learn and uh, were challenging for me over a long period of time. But, but remember, like with, again, when we think about these topics, we're not talking about one extreme or another. We're not talking about it's either a yes or a no, like there's always some gray area. So I think the reason why I feel like I have to caveat and, and just provide this context is because too often I get people that respond and they like latch on to one side of the argument instead of looking at the gray area. And I think that we do that often in, in fitness where it's either one extreme or the other. And I really want to encourage everybody to live in the middle, to understand, at least understand the middle, at least understand the gray area. Like it's okay to say, I love myself as I am, but I also want to improve, right? That's okay to say. It's ne It's not like, I'm either not going to track any macros or I'm an obsessive macro tracker, right? That's like, we always think in these two ends of the extreme, there's this beautiful middle ground that exists with everything. And that's really what I want to encourage everybody to think about. So um, that especially applies with number one, the most common mistake, I shouldn't say the most common, this isn't really in any particular order, but common mistakes when it comes to dieting, some lessons that are really hard to learn. I'm going to give you my top five, but I'm just rattling these off. They're not in any particular order. Number one is thinking that eating less and moving more is going to be this linear path to your goals. Uh, obviously, that's the most common advice that you get when you go to your doctor, when you talk to potentially another coach, when you join some kind of a program, usually you're going to get some version of eat less, move more. And eat less, move more should be a very short-term intervention. Now, again, context, right? If there is somebody who is significantly overweight, very sedentary, eating way too many calories, eat less, move more might be a very appropriate intervention, but it should always be a short-term intervention because it runs its course pretty quickly. Your body adapts to that very quickly. So it's not going to be this linear path. Even if you're somebody who could benefit from the eat less, move more strategy, you're on borrowed time. It's, there's, it's just a ticking time bomb. You have to understand the way that your body adapts. And if you keep hammering that method over and over again, you should not 
be surprised when your metabolism doesn't function the way you want, when your hormones are kind of fucked up, when you start to notice some, some side effects that are not very pleasant, like moodiness and no sex drive and your immune system sucks and you uh, have no energy and your workouts suck and you have terrible recovery and your sleep is suffering. These are all potential side effects from living in the eat less, move more way of doing things for too long. So the solution is pretty simple. Most of the time, for most of your life, you should be eating in a way to support your metabolism, which means you're eating quality foods, you're eating enough food, you're eating enough protein, you're getting in enough vitamins and minerals through fruits and veggies, things like that. You're supporting your lifestyle, meaning how active are you? Uh, you know, are you strength training? Are you lifting heavy? Do you require, are you like a, a marathon runner? Like does your lifestyle require more energy needs, more carbohydrate? What does that look like for you? And then also you should be eating to support the recovery of day-to-day -day life, which not just your workouts, but also the stress in your life, the, you know, your work demands, your relationship demands, all of that stuff takes a toll and requires recovery. So we should be considering that like 90% of the time or more, you should be eating in a way that supports your metabolism, your lifestyle, and your recovery needs, and not living in the eat less, move more way of doing things. Uh, number two, common mistake. I am guilty of this one many times over, participating in a name diet. What I mean is if your diet has a label, if your diet has a name, you probably shouldn't do it. And even if you feel better, like let's say you prefer to eat you know, keto, whatever, uh, even if you feel better on keto, there are likely going to be some necessary adjustments that you have to make for you because it doesn't make logical sense if we were like, you know what, everybody, all humans should be eating in this particular way. Like we know that, we know it doesn't work. We know it's irrational, but yet we try to jump into these name diets that have this fixed set of rules and regulations that you have to follow and these boundaries that you have to follow, it doesn't make sense. Like, obviously you're going to need to adjust things according to what is happening for you, right? Again, your metabolism is unique. Your lifestyle is unique. Your personal preferences are unique. Your personality is unique. You will not succeed. Likely you will not succeed for the long haul with a name or labeled diet. And don't even get me started. Um, I've done enough ranting on MLM type programs like Optavia and Isogenics and whatever the fuck else is out there. Um, if it has a name and it's like, oh, you should try blank, whatever. Like if somebody tried to name our program, they'd be like, you should try pop. Like what's pop? Oh, it's personalized coaching where they adjust everything to your individual needs and take into consideration your personality and metabolism, and personal preferences and lifestyle and work and all this stuff. Like you can't, you can't just say it's blank. You know, even with neurotyping, neurotyping is we're talking about personality, but then we're adjusting to the individual. So if your diet has a name, it's like, oh, you should do blank diet, carnivore, keto, paleo, Optavia, things like that. Weight watchers, like probably not going to work. So that another common mistake that I made for way too long. Um, the solution to that is actually take the time to learn what makes you feel your best. Listen to your own body. Listen to your own biofeedback. When you eat certain foods, when you eat in a certain way, does it improve your energy? Does it improve your sleep? Does it improve you know, how you feel, your strength, your recovery, sleep, all those things? Pay attention and make decisions based off of how you feel. 
So like learn these things and just stop blindly following someone else's rules. Uh, number three common mistake is avoiding the behavior and habit changes. This is something that I harp on all the time. And I hammer this home like every single challenge that we do. It's all about hitting your anchors. It's all about the behavior modification. It's all about the habit changes and people get sick of it and people get bored very easily. Now there are some people that love it and they're like, wow, I wish I had learned this sooner and actually committed to following through on these basic things that actually move the needle over time. But a lot of people resist. And it's, it's the classic dieters mindset of I'm going to do this thing for a short period of time and then go back to normal. That's how we expect to diet. If you think about how we've been conditioned, that's how we've been conditioned to diet. It's I'm going to do this thing for a short period of time, and then I'm going to go back to what I was previously doing, except what you were previously doing didn't get you the results that you wanted. What you were trying to do was not sustainable. So you're up shit's Creek. Like it doesn't, again, sometimes we lose sense of logic when we're dealing with an emotional subject changing your body, dieting, changing the way that you look and feel. That's an emotionally charged subject. So it makes sense that a lot of times we lose perspective. We default to the subconscious way of thinking. We default to previous patterns and behaviors. This whole thing, this whole thing that we're talking about, this transformational journey that you're on, it's not a this for that exchange. It's not transactional, meaning it's not like, all right, if I just suck it up and I do these things for a short period of time, then I'll get this result and I'll live happily ever after. Except that you won't because you didn't change anything. You simply tried to white knuckle your way through something and then you didn't change the default operating system. So you went back and you lost all your results. Anybody who's lost weight and gained it back knows exactly what I'm talking about. You probably said that to yourself after you finished a program. Oh, I'm so glad that's over. I can get back to normal. And then you were surprised when the 10, 20, 30 pounds came back on. It's, it's really unfortunate. Like when, I, when I talk to people who, uh, you know, they're interested in, in working with us and they're like, oh, it was, you know, I did Optavia. I lost 40 pounds in two months. It's like, great. And then what? Well, you know, life happened and then I gained 50 pounds back. It's like, no, life didn't happen. You were doing something that wasn't sustainable. That was never going to work. So you went back to what you were previously doing because you were so happy to have food back in your life and actually be able to eat like a human. You went back to doing the things that you were doing that had you at the 40 pounds overweight to begin with. And now we're back at square one, but we're back at square one and you have much more knowledge and wisdom under your belt because you know that shit's not sustainable. The you know, the reality is that it's boring. It's really boring, but it's also necessary. Changing your subconscious way of doing things, changing that default operating system, changing those default behavior patterns. It's difficult. Number one, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes sacrifice. It takes commitment and it takes, it's boring, right? Let's just call it what it is. Let's not try to sugarcoat it. It's boring. Real change is hard. And that's why most people avoid this type of work. They want to go to the program that slashes calories and promises a quick fix because that sounds more appealing. And it almost sounds more doable. I'm like, hey, you just have to suck this up for a short period of time. That, that actually sounds more doable to a lot of people. But if you want sustainability, it's the only way. So the solution there is you got to change the perspective. 
This is a lifelong endeavor. So one of the best exercises you can do is start to identify the person that you want to become. Who do you want to be? If you're not satisfied right now, if you're not fulfilled, if you're not happy with the way that you look or feel, if you want to make physical changes, who is that person? What does that person look like? How does that person live his or her life? And then, and I'm stealing this from, from James Clear in the book, Atomic Habits. He talks about casting votes for the person that you want to become. Every decision and every action is a vote either for or against that person. Now, it doesn't have to be a unanimous decision, but you have to cast more votes in favor of that person. So first, you have to identify who that person is. How do they conduct themselves? What decision would they make in this situation? What actions would they take in this situation? And then you start casting votes for that person through the actions you take. Number four, a common mistake here is an unwillingness to make sacrifices. Now, I see this all the time where somebody's like, hey, I really want this goal but I'm not willing to change anything that I'm currently doing. Well, if you have not achieved the goal with what you're currently doing, then I can promise you that making zero sacrifices won't work. And sometimes I wish people would be more honest about this in the beginning of the process because it would save them a lot of frustration and hardship. Because if you were just honest with yourself and you said, I'm not willing to make any sacrifices, then you wouldn't have to feel frustrated about not achieving a goal, right? So like you set a goal for yourself, then you're not willing to make any sacrifices to achieve that goal, but then you're frustrated that you're not achieving the goal. There's a disconnect there. There's, there's a level of incongruence there. So first you have to be aware and then you have to be honest with yourself. Um, but recognize this, when you want to change something, change comes with inherent loss, Change comes with inherent loss. You're literally giving up the things that no longer serve you. You're killing off the current version of yourself for the future version of yourself. That's what evolution looks like. There's the example of of lobsters when a lobster outgrows its shell and it realizes that the current shell is not serving it anymore. It feels this intense pressure, this intense pain, this intense discomfort. And the lobster knows that now it's time to discard the shell that's no longer serving me. So the first part of that process is feeling pain and discomfort and then going into a state of vulnerability with no shell and then growing and then moving to a bigger shell. So we basically experience the same thing as humans. When you want to change, you have to sacrifice the current shell that's no longer serving you. And that sacrifice can feel uncomfortable. It can feel painful. And then it comes with this level of vulnerability. It might mean that you lose people who don't support that new version of you that aren't in alignment with the person that you want to become. So there might be loss of actual people in your life. You might lose relationships or friendships. It might require losing parts of you, of yourself, that are holding you back. You know, I talked about all the the same mistakes that I've made repeatedly in my life. I had to, and and some of it's still a work in progress, but had to lose those parts of me that were holding me back. That's inherent loss. It, It might require giving up things that you've done for your whole life. You know, you might be somebody who every Friday night, you know, you met up with, you know, your girls for wine or you met up with your boys for beer and wings or whatever. You might have a routine that you feel like is no longer serving you that the next 
version of you doesn't do that thing, but you've done it for so long. It's a part of you. And you might decide to give that up or you might decide to, to sacrifice like, Hey, I'm still going to show up, but I'm not going to participate in whatever it is. You know, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to partake in whatever, you know, the food is there depending on what your goals are and what you truly want, but it might require some level of sacrifice or loss of rituals or routines that you've done forever. There's a, a high level of resistance when people realize this. And I think that a lot of people jump into their goals without realizing this. They want change, but they don't fully, maybe it's, they, they understand it, but they don't feel fully realize what it's going to feel like when that inherent loss actually happens. So there's this discomfort that comes up. There's a resistance to it. You start to feel this pull back to your, your default way of doing things, that comfort zone. It's very easy to be pulled back into the old way of thinking. You know, it's kind of like your brain's way of protecting you. Hey, let's go back to this thing that was really comfortable and predictable, except that's no longer what you want. So you kind of have this internal battle of why am I being pulled into this direction that I don't want to go in? It's because your brain's trying to keep you in this state of comfort and predictability. And you have to consciously and actively choose to overcome that until the new way of doing things becomes your default. Um, so the solution there is you have to start with absolute clarity on what you want. Not only that, but you have to know why it matters to you. Without clarity, it will very you'll you'll easily succumb to that comfort, to the to the feeling of predictability. I'm just going to go back to to the level of certain misery. Remember, most prefer the certainty of misery to the misery of uncertainty. Virginia Satir, one of my favorite quotes, most prefer the certainty of misery to the misery of uncertainty. So if you don't know exactly what you want, you don't know why it matters to you, it'll be very easy for you to default back to that certain misery. And then last but not least, number five, most common mistake, trying to do it on your own. Uh, And this one is, is my favorite because this one often comes with the highest level of irrational thinking, of justification, of trying to validate or somehow spin it in a way that makes you feel better about doing it on your own, right? Like arguably the most important things that we have in this life, number one is time. I would say that that's probably the most important. Um, it's, it gets shorter every single passing second. We have less and less time on this earth and we never know what the total number is going to be. Literally have no idea. It could be any number of seconds or minutes. We have no clue. And it just keeps getting shorter and shorter. So number one, time. Number two, I would say is health. So the two things that are arguably the most important things, yet we are so coy with how we treat those things. Like, just think about it from this perspective. If you had a child that was struggling with their speech, you would immediately get them a speech therapist. Or if you had a partner who was really struggling emotionally, maybe with depression or just like dealing with some shit, you would probably recommend a psychologist. If you had a family member that was like, hey, I really would love to like learn an instrument. I would love to learn how to play the guitar. You'd be like, oh, it's amazing. You should go take some lessons. And yet when it comes to your own health, in your own body, in your own relationship with food, you're like, no, I don't need coaching. I'm going to do this alone. I'm not going to hire anybody. I'm just going to do this alone. As if there's some kind of magical reward for doing it alone, except 
through the process, it's costing you time and it's costing you money and it's costing you energy and it's costing you frustration, but yet you'll spin it every which way. Well, I have to put on this new addition to my house. Well, I have to pay for my kids, whatever I have to do as if the choice is either you prioritize yourself or you do this other thing, which is really just an excuse. It's, it really comes down to resource allocation. You're, you're making a clear declaration that your own health, your own body, your own relationship with food, those things are not as important as the house addition or whatever else you're trying. And, and the reality is it's not either or because not investing in coaching does not mean that you're saving money. It simply means that it's costing you in a different way, likely with more money in the long run. Because let's be honest, if you have health issues, you're still going to pay. If you have goals, you're still going to pay. There's always going to be something you're going to, if you want to change it, you're going to allocate resources towards it. So you're either going to pay more in the long run, or you can make the investment in yourself and save the time, save the money, save the energy, save the stress, all of that. So you can justify the decision. You can convince yourself that your time and money is spent is better spent elsewhere. Uh, but again, in the end, you're simply wasting it. Like there's there's no other, there's really no other way around it. And I know that some people get really uptight and butthurt when when I talk about this. But I was there. I know from personal experience and I know from witnessing so many people who have gone through the same thing. And all of a sudden, when it becomes really important to them, magically the money appears. No long like I've had people who have had three, four, five calls and don't make a decision, don't make a decision, don't make a decision. Months later, years later, all of a sudden it's really important and money is no longer an issue because it was never about the money. It was never about the money. It was the way that they convinced themselves to not take action, thinking, oh, well, it's the responsible thing to do to pay for this, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But then you're still going to have to pay for things. The time is going to keep on ticking. When nothing changes and you realized, holy shit, I just wasted two years and I'm still stuck and frustrated, I should probably solve this problem. So if you have the problem, you're going to spend resources to solve it. It's just a matter of, are you going to spend more time in the long run or are you going to invest in yourself, which has the greatest return? So the solution to this is very simple. Stop pretending. Stop pretending like you're saving by not investing. You're simply allocating those resources elsewhere. Just be honest about it. You're making that that clear declaration that you are not as important as wherever else that money is going, that you are not a priority. So take it, you know, like do a little assessment right now. How much time have, have you already spent? How much money have you already spent? And how much frustration has this already cost you by not investing and committing to yourself? And then decide how is that going to feel if I continue down this exact same trajectory for another six months, 12 months, six years, 12 years, how's that going to feel? And then make an honest decision that you feel like is best. Now, this has nothing to do with me telling you what to do. This has everything to do with empowering you to make the decision that you feel is best for yourself. And that's it. End of the day, 
make the decision that you feel like is best for yourself. But my job is for that decision to come from a place of, of truth and transparency and not hiding behind justification, validation, um, just being completely transparent with you. So hopefully that helps. Hopefully that makes sense. But that that's it. Those are my five biggest mistakes that I've been guilty of making many times over. So again, it doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you very similar to me. If you're, if you struggle with any of those things, um, what I would hope is that it doesn't take you 10 years to get over. It doesn't take you 10 years to learn the lessons like it did for me. I'm almost positive. I'm, I'm going to say I'm positive that you're much smarter than I am. Uh, so be better than I was and uh, start taking some action, get to where you want to be. Remember that this is a long game. We're playing this forever. And uh, if you shift that perspective, hopefully it'll eliminate some of the stress, stress and frustration. And uh, if this was helpful, I'd love to hear about it. Let me know. You can always leave a five-star rating on iTunes. You can always hit me up on Instagram and tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And I will talk to you guys very soon.